everyone. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 103 of Make Ours Marvel, where we are finishing up the month of August 1965. And you know, Mike, I was sitting in the bathroom earlier today. <laughs> yeah. Stories that start that way are always great, right? Uh-huh. And I was just thinking about how, like, I should be used to the big numbers. I'm still not used to the big numbers. Which big numbers are that? Our episode count. Oh, I know. I have no idea if our other numbers are big. I just don't look at that very often. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I think it's in the thousands, millions, something like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, 103 is pretty crazy. It's almost like we're nearing 200 already. Oh, that's That'd weird. Be interesting. I know. It's like I've seen a lot of podcasts that are way past 100, and it's like, wow. But I just thought 100 was pretty awesome. So I'm still like swimming in that for a little while. I think I think we could just enjoy enjoy our high. We've gotten a lot of like positive responses saying, "Hey, congrats for hitting the first century mark." So we appreciate it out there making us feel like like you know we're doing something worthwhile. Like we know what we're doing. Maybe yeah, it's been cool. So we are starting tonight with the Avengers twenty one, and as Mike pointed out last time, as long as we keep doing even numbers of issues per episode, I start us off every time now. Yep. So I know what I need to pay attention to and what I can kind of schluff off because it's going to be Mike with the Yeah, until we get to like another patch of annuals and wreck everything. Right. That's where we're at. All right. So um, this is entitled The Bitter Taste of Defeat. And um, it is written with the usual Stan Lee madness, drawn with the usual Don Heck magnificence, inked with the usual Wally Wood magic, and lettered with the usual Artie Simic mistakes. Aw. Oh, I did not find a single lettering mistake in the whole thing. I didn't either. Gosh. So rude. Okay. Well, in the first few months of their formation, the new team of Avengers proved to be more than equal to the tasks that befell them including pleasing fans. But now they're about to experience their first disaster. What effect will defeat have upon those who have never known aught but victory? I thought that was going to be a recap blurb. It is a hype blurb. It is a hype blurb. Because what was the last? Oh, the last story was Swordsman, and they pretty much cleaned that up, didn't they? So Yeah. yeah, On to something new. On to something new. So Hawkeye is just, you know, walking around being Hawkeye in the uh, Avengers compound below below the mansion. And Steve walks up and is like, dude, why are you messing with this electronic stuff? Hawkeye's like, um, I know what I'm doing. Steve says, I don't. I was born in 1920. I don't know what electronics are. I don't trust you touching them. Tony Stark is the only one who can touch Tony Stark's equipment because computers are magic and you might mess it up. I mean, not exactly like that, but I'm pretty sure that's what he was thinking. In any case, he does come on pretty strong and Hawkeye already does not like Captain America. So he pulls an arrow on him. And then Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch show up and say, hey, you know, why don't y'all stop? And um, whenever Hawkeye continues to be a bit of a nuisance, she hex bolts him. And, and Captain America's like, dude, you don't, you, don't, you don't have to hex bolt people. You know, we really need to not use those against our friends. I can take care of myself. And she's like, oh, his arms. His touch is so strong. It's amazing. Anyways, we leave our hot-tempered heroes for a moment and journey to a remote section of the mysterious Amazon jungle where we find one of um, Zemo's old mercenaries 
just walking around, he finds uh, the Fantastic Laboratory, where Zemo, the Enchantress, and the Executioner created the one called Wonder Man back in Avengers issue 9. We get a little recap about that, and turns out Enchantress has been watching this whole encounter from her place in Asgard. So she shimmies down the Rainbow Bridge to Earth and says, Hello, mortal. I am beautiful. Do anything I say. And he's like, oh, okay. So he agrees to get superpowers just like Wonder Man. She is able to work the machines. And he's like, okay, that's pretty great. She's like, you should put on a costume. He's like, eh, that's dumb. She's like, yes, but I'm beautiful and you'll do anything I say. Okay, yeah, whatever. So he puts on a costume and he is Power Man. Dun, dun, dun. So later, the Avengers are chilling out, Rackles and Max and all cool. And they hear a um, an urgent call from the Teen Brigade that there's a monster running loose. So they go outside and find this like giant rhino dude and they attack it, but all their attacks go right through it. Scarlet Witch tears down a uh, abandoned building on the monster, but the bricks all go right through the monster. And the police drive up, say, yo, Avengers, what is up? And they're like, well, we were trying to stop this monster. Hello. He's like, what monster? We got a call saying y'all were going crazy on the corner. And they're like, um, but there was a monster. Yeah, why don't y'all go home? Okay, no one else saw a monster. And Enchantress and Power Man are up in a window going, hee, 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 hee. So then um, Quicksilver hears about some um, a, a train rail being destroyed on the one of the subway trains. So he you know, zips down and turn off. There's the train rails. They're all torn up. And if a train comes by here, it's going to have a major accident. So he starts to figure out how he can fix them. But Power Man is there and he punches Quicksilver on the back of the head, knock him down. All the Avengers show up. Hey, there's a train coming. Not only is the tra- is the tracks bad, but also Power Man's down. And so um, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are like, I'm sorry, uh, Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch are like, oh, we got to stop them. So they stop the train. They like blow up the tracks in front of them. Turns out the train was abandoned, which is pretty great because it has like a big old crash. The police come down like, Avengers, what the heck do you think you're doing? Turns out this is two times they have been doing stuff that's suspicious. So then the Avengers are like, wow, someone is really making fools of us. What's going on here? Um, Hawkeye yells at Steve because Steve is you know, having a hard time figuring it out. Throughout this issue, actually, every single time Steve opens his mouth, Hawkeye's like, yeah, you're stupid. And Steven's like, I say Steven? Did I really just call him Steven? That was weird. You did. Captain America's like, I'm not stupid. You're stupid. I'm trying to lead this team. You go shut up. And so, anyways, the Avengers leave Captain America alone. Um, the Enchantress Power Man team are once again doing some stuff uh, that messes with, looks like a postman? Yeah. This is the weird part of the story. Okay. But, like, this is where they're, they somehow mentally summon Cap and they're doing this whole catching these guys. The guys are pretending to be postmen, but they're really stealing documents. And then the Power Man looks like he's the good guy for stopping them, and Cap looks like he's the bad guy for stopping Power Man. But it okay. was really, really weirdly paced or something. I know I didn't quite understand it at first. In any case, basically the way Mike says it is what falls out, and the newspapers are running headlines that Captain America was beaten by Power Man. Um, there is an attack at a, the mansion on Hawkeye. They knock out the uh, lights, and Power Man's there. 
Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are just out. Like, uh, they went to go see the hit show Dolly, and um, they both say goodbye to each other for the night, each one secretly planning on investigating Power Man. Power Man continues to beat the tar out of Hawkeye, knocks him out. Quicksilver shows up. They fight. Wanda shows up. She joins the fight. Um, but actually, there are a couple of investigators there who see her and um, think that, oh, because it's not at, oh, I'm so sorry. After Power Man beats up Hawkeye, he goes to his own home. And that's where Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch attack him. And the police show up saying, hey, you can't invade private property and attack this guy. So then uh, the city council issues an edict that uh, by unanimous agreement, the Avengers are being forced by law to disband. So the Avengers must split up. And Captain America's like, oh, when I took command of the Avengers, they were at the height of their power, their prestige, their fame. And now look what I've done. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's a real shame this title's been kind of hit or miss, but it's been doing pretty good. So to end it on number 21, oh, well. Yeah, you know, switch everything up in 16 and just give the new team a few issues to acknowledge their coolness and then leave them alone. Yeah, now they're disbanded and no more Avengers ever again in the history of Marvel. Nope, um, except that I think there might be one more issue just to kind of wrap up the plot threads. Oh, okay, we'll have to cover that one probably. Uh, yeah. Fun issue, though. I liked it. There's a lot going on. Um, mm-hmm. The... Although reciting the plot, it kind of felt like a lot of repetition with different stuff happening to trick up the Avengers. It didn't feel that way when reading it. Right. Yeah. Um, so this opening scene made me realize that I, or I don't know if we've ever talked about it. I certainly don't remember talking about it, but they made a big deal. And we talked about how like they're losing strength on this roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had the, their whole first adventure was even to try and recruit the Hulk again because to get some muscle back on the team. But no one's mentioned that they've lost two brains. Oh, Tony Stark and Henry Pym. Yeah. So like at first, I mean, and they address it in this opening where he says, you know, Tony Stark still comes in here and fiddles with all the buttons for us. But like, yeah, that's another aspect of the team that's like, you know, quote unquote weaker than the original lineup is they don't got a science guy to do sciencey things. At the same time, Hawkeye is replacing a fuse. Yeah. And so I wonder how Steve doesn't understand how fuses work and how replacing a fuse is actually pretty routine. I'm sure he knows what a fuse is because they had fuses back in his day. Uh, I think more it's like we have these rules and these rules shouldn't be broken, especially rules regarding Tony Stark's crazy tech. Mm -hmm. And Hawkeye, you're just being flippant like you always are and thinking you can do whatever you want. And there's a reason why we don't touch this stuff is because it's not ours. That's his point of view, I think. Whether he's right or not or whether you should just – Replace the freaking fuse. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, I don't know either. I feel like it's one of those things that there are certain levels of self maintenance that like a user should be able to do. But right, but then then Tony comes back and goes, "Oh my god, who put this two point six eight fuse in here? It's supposed to be a two point six seven, and now the whole thing's going to blow up." I don't know. <laughs> Plus, Hawkeye is just a huge honking jerk. So like, he is a major jerk through so, all this issue. I think that probably makes Steve just more uptight about rules in general. It would me probably like, I don't want this huge honking jerk to do anything out of the lines, you know, no color in the lines for you. Huge honking jerk. <laughs> um, Although Steve has no room to talk because he's like, if not for Tony Stark, you'd probably be living in a tent. If not for Tony oh. Stark, you'd probably be living in a tent. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell he's bothering him because he's actually acting just as childish, basically in response to all the childishness. 
Yeah, that's a good way to interpret it. Steve is not as thick-skinned as you might expect Captain no. America to be. Hawkeye's actually getting under his... I think, like, the first couple issues with his roster cap was all more like, okay, big guy, we'll see. You know, we'll see how it goes. And now it's just like, you're you're a big stupid face. So, but, you know, Hawkeye is really annoying, so I can understand that, kind of. Like, they need to fight or something. Then Quicksilver runs in, and Hawkeye calls him Whitey. Yes. They need is to get a just, different nickname. <laughs> is that was that just a nickname for gray-haired people back in the day or something? Why? I guess. That's a little odd. Um, I feel like there's a like a really really minor football character or something in one of the in one of these series named Whitey Mullins. Mm. And so I feel like Whitey just might be a nickname from the era, but man. Or do you think like Stan was like, "Hey, I hear that people call white people Whitey now, so we should just implement that in our dialogue." It's like, yeah, not all people call Whitey Whitey. And yeah. Hawkeye's a Whitey, so that's not working. But he also, while we're on the subject, he also calls Cap Winghead. And I can't be certain of this, but I feel like it's the first time, at least in our readings, that anybody's called Cap Winghead, which is a very common nickname for him. I believe you are correct. And if that's the case, does that mean – I don't know if they ever called him Winghead in the Golden Age, but if not, then Hawkeye invented Winghead in this issue, and he did it as a jerk. Not as, like, affection. So interesting. Eventually, Hawkeye and Captain America are going to find common ground. Oh, yeah. And the jabs are going to become more friendly than mean. Um, so I can see how that might stick around after that as well. But, yeah, I even if they called him Winghead back in the Golden Age, no one here knows that. Right. So, like, Hawkeye reinvented it, if nothing else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Eventually, they come pretty good, pretty tight. But it's so funny to watch to read all this old stuff where i mean he is just the worst what the hell hawkeye like just stop it a little bit like i don't know everything is everybody else's fault and he's doing nothing wrong and he's the best and ugh, stop it so i had forgotten where power man came from and he was oh. one of when he was one of zemo's mercenaries yeah that is very interesting and he's like a little like a parallel to uh wonder man just a little bit yeah they use but the same. Then he, then he's not later or something. Right, like, like Wonder Man, his whole ionic power thing doesn't it stem from this power surge here, or is there more that happens yeah. to him later? I believe it's all from here, and I believe by the '90s it turns out he's immortal and he can change his body and he's pure energy, and that takes a long time to establish. But that, does that mean that Power Man also has that ability? So then I looked it up, and he's like. No, at some point he gets he loses his powers and gets pin particles and becomes Goliath slash Atlas slash Thunderbolts guy. And I don't know that he's got ionic abilities anymore. And I don't know why. If that just worked huh. for, for Simon Williams because of his own personal DNA or what? The only thing I know that. about Power Man down the road is that eventually he and Luke Cage have it out over the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I like this scene, though. It's like, well, as long as I don't have to wear a stupid costume. Oh, I designed this really stupid costume. Okay, fine. Well, as long as I don't have to have a really hokey name. How about Power Man? Okay, fine, I guess. <laughs> he just goes along with it. And, and like, um, Enchantress, you know, she sees him and comes down to see him. And I'd like to think that the executioner was, like, just coming by to say hi at that moment. Mm-hmm. See if he could just, you know, puppy around with her for a while. But she disappeared right as he was coming in. He's like, oh. I, if there's one slam I have on this story, it's I wish there was some exposition by Enchantress as to why she cares. Oh, about Power Man? No, about the Avengers. 
Oh. Because, like, I know she's a villain, so therefore at this point, any villain can just be any villainous regardless. But, like, Thor's not on this team anymore. Wasn't that her motivation? So why is she just mad at the Avengers now in general because she's been defeated by them so many times? But none of them are the same people that defeated her before, really, except Cap. I don't know, just like a paragraph that said, Avengers are super annoying, I'm tired of losing to them, or something. Or where's the executioner, for that matter? Yeah, you're right. From once I've allied myself with fellow immortal, the executioner, he was a fool. Oh, I missed um, that. Well, so at least that this doesn't really there. explain, like, you know, I guess, yeah. I mean, I could see all I, of her dialogue to see if there's any shred of why she's even here. I could see that's fine with me. Executioner was a fool. I ditched him. I could totally buy that because she was always just using him to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they were best friends. And Baron Zemo's dead, theoretically. So, but why does she care about this group of non Thor Avengers so much? She does say, now tell me, do you hate the Avengers as much as I do? But why does she hate them? Right. Because they beat her? It's not really her style. And the last time we saw her and Executioner, it was after the Masters of Evil stuff with Zemo, they were capturing Jane Mm -hmm. in the middle of that fight. And I think that was the same fight where Balder came and rescued Jane from them. Uh Uh-huh. So Thor showed up, said thanks, and left. Yeah, she wasn't even a character in that fight. She was just there. Right, but that was still involving Thor, at least. That was her kidnapping Thor's love, which that I could understand. Mm-hmm. But like, what is what's her what is she what's her payoff for this? I guess I don't know. So the stuff on page six, where's page six with the transformation? Yeah. Um, for some reason, I wrote down over the decades, Wonder Man is going to have a rather complex legacy. Oh, the legacy. Uh, this is technically the first part of all that. We already talked about that. How you know the powers are there? Um, I kind of dig the occasional character who mocks the whole costume villain shtick. Mm-hmm. That's fun. So do you think, like, you know how, like, um, people are always like, oh, Cap, steroids, blah, 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 or whatever, you know? And it's like, it's just, is that because he wasn't accidentally bitten by a super soldier serum or something? Like, so does that mean Power Man is steroids? Or... Where's the steroids crack? Huh? Where's what? the what? Where's the steroids crack? There is no steroids crack. Oh. I'm sorry, I'm just I just did you then. In general, people do cracks about Cap oh, as, as yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. he's only – he's steroids, you know? And it's like, well, why? Is it because it was on purpose or what? And in what that's the – or is it because it involves an injection or drinking something versus being bombarded with a weird – actually, we don't even know what happens because they don't really show it. It just shows her flipping a lever and then he's magically Power Man. Yeah, oh, we got the flashback like to Wonder Man getting hit by the yellow lights. Yeah. But – So is that yeah. steroids or what's the difference? I don't know. I don't know. And – I guess the phrase super soldier serum has mm. been used for so long. The idea of it being an injection is just kind of ingrained in the idea, even though a lot of times they don't even show the injection. They just show the Vita rays. Right. Uh, in fact, it was the injection in the original and then Vita rays in the 60s version. Isn't that right? I think in the original, he drank out of a test tube. Or right. It wasn't even an injection. He drank it. And then this one was rays. And then later on, they're going to do an injection. Next, I think later on, they do all three because why not? You could. You can right. just say, you need all three in order to make this thing happen. I don't know. I think it's just because it's on purpose. And accidental superhero powers are okay, but if you do it on purpose, it's like you're cheating or something. Anyway, I was the just thinking about The idea that. of the Avengers apparently just going to town on a block of buildings for no reason, uh huh. that would definitely be off-putting. Which to starts say the, the least. Sokovia Accords and all that, basically. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's what I was thinking about as Scarlet Witch brought down an entire building, and she's for all no proud reason. of herself. 
it's like, oh, Scarlet Witch, we have to arrest you. Oh, but, yeah, because there was that one moment where she – She did it. Yeah. She blew up the side of that building in, in, the, in that movie, Avengers Age Voltron. To, to save Cap, she blew up a building that killed other people, <laughs> basically. Yeah. No one, no one got hurt in this issue because it was an abandoned building, luckily. But it is reminiscent but, of that, yeah. Yeah, kind of. It just made me think of it a little bit. Um, and I also wonder, like, I mean, how far does this A1 clearance go? They can just show up at a place and destroy it and no one gets arrested or called in or, I mean, good luck arresting them, I guess. But mm. anyway, I've been just went trying home. to pay attention to Scarlet Witch's costume because her original headpiece is like a wraparound, like a wimple. Mm-hmm. And later it's going to become just like a face frame that she puts on the front of her face. Oh. I'm trying to figure out when that happens. Because right now... I mean, if you're looking at page, is it page nine, the second panel? Uh Yeah, her her head looks like ice cream. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It looks like a pink bowl with chocolate ice cream on top. Never unseen that. Yep. Yep. You're right. Yep. That's funny. It looks even weirder. You really don't get very many, like, really solid shots of her head. Um, But on page nine, second panel, it's, like, straight on from the back. So her hair sticking out on top and her hair sticking out on bottom. It just looks odd. Yeah, I guess it keeps her hair from getting in front of her face, though. So in a way, maybe it's oh, that's super de- practical then. Yeah, yeah, it's a better design. It's a headband essentially versus a just a framing face, and that means the hair can go anywhere. But um, a story like this probably would not have worked with the first team, but yeah. I think it does help to illustrate that this team is kind of like we're trying to be Avengers, but it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. You think meaning like the uh, public is more distrustful? quicker mm-hmm. yeah that's probably true and just i think i don't know i feel like being taken advantage of like this might not have happened so easily to the first team but maybe that's not true there's a lot of them hanging around in their costumes without their masks on and i don't know why but that always makes me happy in especially captain america captain america but scarlet witches also hawkeye is not taking his mask off which is kind of interesting like does does do they not know who he is they don't know who anybody is but have you noticed that we don't even have a name for hawkeye yet Right. And these Avengers, oh, you know what's interesting? These Avengers are not supposed to give each other, reveal their identities. But apparently Steve's like, who cares? I'm just a generic blonde guy anyway. So I'm just take my mask off. Yeah, you're right. And they call him Steve Rogers. Oh, do they really? I'm pretty sure. Oh, you know what it is? Um, I've read The Next Tales of Suspense. Oh, okay. Have you read the next one yet? Um, I don't know if I've got that far. No, I, I know they call him Steve Rogers in that one. Okay. Um, so whether or not they know him as Steve yet, I'm not sure. But he does take his mask off all the time. But none of these people have civilian lives. Hawkeye lives in the mansion. The the right. mutants, even though they don't live at the mansion, well, maybe they do live at the mansion. But I don't think. No, no, no. They have an apartment. But uh, but everyone knows their names. They're Wanda and Pietro. Everyone knows. Yeah. Them. They call each other that all the time. So with the original roster, Cap and nobody took their masks off, and now they're just. Letting mm-hmm. it hang, I guess, which is cool. Interesting. I guess Hawkeye technically Hawkeye. has a secret identity, but he doesn't have a civilian <laughs> life. We haven't. We don't know what his secret identity is. So, what's the point of it? I guess it's secret, even from us. Yeah. Um, yeah. This whole business with the stealing the papers, but not really, but kind of really, and making Power Man the good guy and Cap the bad guy was really kind of confusing. But ultimately, I understood it after reading. It just took like five pages to understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was really weird. It was also it was almost one of those scenes like where you wonder if the drawings and the writing weren't lining up again. Sometimes that feels like that, especially when there's a lot of exposition to explain the writing. But uh, but the fight between Cap and Power Man was pretty brutal. 
yeah, he flies in there and dives down. It really goes to town on him. We keep saying it's not often that you see Cap just get beat, but that's like, you know, the 28th time we've said that on the show. So I guess it happens a lot, and I just never think about it. But, yeah, Power Man just trounces him, basically. Um, page 16. Even though he seemed to listen to Wanda earlier, Hawkeye is still going off on Cap. And at this point, if Cap kicked him off the team, I would not fault him. And yet, on page 16 also, when he goes to take on Power Man by himself, he thinks to himself, nobody beats a fellow Avenger without answering to Hawkeye, even if it's only Captain America. So, like, there's still hope for him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because he kind of cares. You can tell he's just, like, putting up a wall, basically, with all this bravado baloney. Someone, someone obviously hurt his feelings a long time ago as a child, and he can't just, like, lower his guard. He yeah, has person. to be all, he has to be all, like obnoxious and ego all the time and and quicksilver uh, scarlet which keep going on dates before before okay. that i just happened uh-huh. to notice on page 16 while cap uh-huh. and hawkeye are talking a speech balloon points off panel saying steve the mayor's on the phone he wants an explanation for your conduct yesterday oh sweet so they know so they steve. do call him steve and is that jarvis talking to him or is that one of the other avengers it would probably not be Jarvis because wouldn't he say sir or something? Oh, no. Yes. It seems weird for him to say C, Steve. But don't you feel like after everybody left, Cap's like, well, this whole secret identity thing, I guess I don't have to care anymore because I don't have one anyway. Hey, everybody. Yeah. And actually, he does say, hold on, Wanda, I'll talk to him. So it's Wanda calling him. But yeah, uh, so he, everyone knows he's Steve. And I was wrong in my recap. Hawkeye goes to a rented mansion. So Hawkeye goes to Power Man and the other right. – uh, mutants come there as well because because when they interviewed power man and power man made, did the spin on the story that cap was trying to stop him from stopping a robbery he also told them where he lived so it's in the newspaper that hawkeye is reading because they wanted them to come to the house gotcha which is a weird thing for the newspaper to print but okay here's where he but lives you, but you're right wando and pietro are going on dates they went to go see dolly which for the uninitiated that's hello dolly carol channing played the lead and um, she was like doing in Dolly theater. performances for a lot of her life in the theater, mm-hmm. right? And this, and it was like a in 1965, I believe she won a lot of awards for that. It was like a big deal yeah, for her, really big show. Yeah, big deal for her until Barbara Streisand came along, I guess. What was she <laughs> after? I don't know. I don't know who did it first. I was kind of confused why they didn't go together after a Power Man. Like each one said, I got to go do something, and they split up, but. They're both going after Power Man. I can see Hawkeye being a jerk and going by himself. I'm kind of surprised that Quicksilver and Wanda don't have a relationship where they communicate that they want to go. You know, so they both sneak separately. Mm-hmm. And Cap just apparently is oblivious maybe, altogether because he didn't even show up. Maybe each one does not want to get the other one in trouble if it goes south. Yeah. That's a benefit of the doubt interpretation. That or they're just not gelling as a team yet. I don't know. The city councilman is the one who tells them they can't be Avengers. I kind of wish it were someone more powerful that we could know later, like <laughs> Senator Kelly or Henry Peter Guyvick or something. Yeah, that damn Trask. At it again. Right. Yeah, I know. City council is like, ooh, city council. But right. maybe maybe New York City Council is more interesting than you know where I live, city council, where there's 30,000 people. Maybe that's the mayor at the front of the desk. Mm-hmm. New York mayor. All in all, though, cool issue. I enjoyed it. Awesome cliffhanger. I think it's interesting that they created this powerful Superman and then 
didn't just make it about a physical fight for an entire issue. It was about like an actual strategy and ruining their reputation. And that was cool. I didn't expect that. I thought it'd just be a big Power Man fight. I think I like the story in this issue more than I like the script, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Like, I really so like the, the basic gist of this issue. I think tricking the Avengers into breaking the law on multiple occasions is a great idea. But sometimes this is a little bit of a chore to get all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a little clunky in the middle, but I like the setup, so I'm interested to see what happens next issue. Yes. Speaking of fun. clunky, speaking of clunky, oh, oh my God, I am already tired and I haven't even started summarizing this yet. But we have <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man number 30 um, with a weird cover. Uh, uh, it's called The Claws of the Cat. Hero- heroically written and edited by Stan Lee. Homerically plotted and drawn by Steve Ditko, hastily lettered and bordered by Artie Semek. Um, and if we, there's a little setup in the beginning to remind us that Betty, not Betty, yeah, Betty Brant got faint when she saw Scorpion and, and uh, uh, Spider Man fighting at the Bugle last issue, and Ned took her home. And Peter knows that and was all upset about it. Meanwhile, Aunt May has been having dizzy spells and she's keeping them to herself. Uh, Spider-Man decides to, or she's going to go visit the, you know, the neighbors. So Spider-Man decides to go out and be Spider-Man and stretch and get some exercise. He misses a cat burglar, though. The cat burglar guy is like, good thing he didn't see me because I'm just a human guy and he would totally catch me. So since he missed him, the guy gets away with the safe that he's robbing in some apartment. Turns out the apartment is J. Jonah Jameson's. So all his bonds and stocks and important papers gone, empty. Oh, my gosh. Uh, meanwhile, across town, uh, just like the first Spider-Man MCU movie, the Stark is moving some Starky things, except instead of a plane, it's a big truck. And behind it, another truck comes on, and these four purple masked guys get out a two-by-four and walk across it onto the Stark truck and start trying to rip it off. But Spider-Man, who's out for his exercise, is like, yay, someone to beat up. So he goes down there and tries to beat them up. They actually have magnetic boots, though, and they manage to get away because the car does a weird veer and Spider-Man kind of falls off. And by the time he comes back, he can't find him anymore. So, so much for that. Um, But he hears on a TV in a window as he's climbing up a wall that J. Jonah Jameson is offering $1,000 reward for any information on this cat burglar that is apparently becoming infamous in the city. So Spider-Man goes straight over there and he says, hey, J. Jonah Jameson. I'm going to find this cat guy for you, and then you're going to have to pay me $1,000. And Jameson's like, you know, and starts having fantasies about having to write him a check and people filming it and Spider-Man with this sneering Joker smile, like laughing at him, and he can't take it. So he calls uh, uh, um, his guy Foswell, if we recall Foswell, and he says, you need to find this cat guy before Spider-Man does so I don't have to pay him $1,000. So Foswell's like, I'm going to get out my fat Nick Fury mask put it on and do some underground work with my connections. Um, So meanwhile, we got Peter going to try and hook up with Betty to see if he can woo her from Ned. But on his way there, he runs into Liz and she's kind of cold and weird and says, yeah, I've just been working. Oh, by the way, if you've ever been my friend, can you distract that pervy Flash Thompson, who's around the corner right now, because he has been following me because he wants to know where I work so that he can stalk me and just be really gross. So Peter's like, 
Sure thing, because I hate him anyway. So he goes over there and like basically sort of accidentally on purpose gets in Flash's way and like easily stops him from, you know, getting past him kind of, but makes it look like sort of an accident or make it makes it look awkward, not like he's Spider-Man and just uses one finger or something. But while he's doing that, he sees the cat prowling the rooftops. So he just accidentally, quote unquote, knocks Flash out with a jab to his chin, jumps up onto the roof, turns into Spider-Man, um, beats up the robbers, but it turns out – or beats up the robber, but it turns out it's not the cat. It's just some uh, other dude. So it's like, oh, well. So he goes back to Flash in the alleyway where he left him and wakes him up and says that they like both accidentally smacked each other's heads together. And they both passed out and I'll see you later. And then he tells Flash that Liz works at Dylan Department Store, which is a lie. But Flash thinks he's telling the truth and goes to run over there to soccer. Um, meanwhile, he finally gets to Betty's and she's all weird. And she's like, well, listen, Ned – asked me to marry him and peter you know grown up that he is has a great reaction to that but actually what happens is she continues to talk or he says you know what i should do i should tell her in his thought bubbles he tells her i should tell her that i'm spider-man now's the time if i ever really want her i better tell her i'm spider-man um He's like, well, Ned's a good guy, I guess. He did try to help you against Scorpion. Of course, he's no Spider-Man, but... And Betty's like, don't talk about Spider-Man. He may or may not have had something to do with killing my brother, and I can't even think about him, and I don't want adventures in my life. That's why I like Ned. He's solid. He's got a job. He's white. He's perfect. I actually thought he was just... I thought you were the same way when I first got into you, and that's when Peter blows up and goes, fine, you want someone boring like him or whatever i'll leave you alone and he charges out the door and betty's like no wait you didn't let me finish that sentence i still like you and i totally want to be with you where are you and meanwhile she's crying on one panel he's crying on another typical relationship for them Uh, meanwhile foswell is getting closer uh spider-man stops more bad guys i can't remember who these guys are doesn't matter there's yeah there's random he's just trying to get um the cat and he keeps finding other robbers that aren't the cat, basically. He, he heard a gunshot and just jumped in yeah. to help. All right. So those purple guys are back, um, but they get away, something like that. Um, 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 um. Meanwhile, we're at the burglar. He's planning another heist because everybody's too busy looking at these purple guys, I guess. Um, Spider-Man. I don't know how he finds him. Oh, I know how. So the burglar's going up this building and like this cast member out of 1966 Batman pops his head out the window and says, Hey, you're the burglar. Help, police help. So the police started sh- shining a flashlight or spotlights on him. And he's trying to run away. And this attracts Spider-Man and Spider-Man goes after him the entire time. J. Jonah Jameson's watching this and freaking out, banging his desk, you know, typical J. Jonah Jameson stuff. Spider-Man, despite this dude just being normal, is having a problem with him. Uh, the guy like flashes his flashlight at him. And it's like, kryptonite or something spider-man falls off the building but manages to stick and then the dude plants an explosive that he uses on safes under the water tower and that crashes and provides us with our cover uh then worst of all the most evilest of weapon the burglar uses a gun and spider-man just can't handle that so he jumps out of the way and tries to just like get the guy to unload all his bullets but while he's messing around doing that the police sneak up on him because they're also on the roof and they try to arrest him. 
he puts gas down all Batman style and disappears. But Spider-Man's like, yeah, I see where he is. And the cops are going to find him in three seconds. And they do. He was just hanging in a chimney. So they arrest him. Spider-Man does not get the $1,000, but he does take pictures in hopes to get some money. He goes back to the Bugle. He does get some money. Um, but the real problem is when Betty goes to say, Peter, I've been hoping to drop by. I simply must talk to you. And he's like, nah, that's cool. You like Ned better. And he capsads away. And there's a cool little like last panel of Spider-Man kind of putting his arms between the two of them and their relationship. Spider-Man comes between Peter and Betty once again. The Dun, end. Da, da. So then, before we get into it. And then Peter Parker hawks t-shirts, which I just thought was an interesting choice. <laughs> Instead of Spider-Man hawking t-shirts. Oh, on yeah, this, on, the, on the ad. Uh, on this like, ad. What are you talking about? Yeah, sorry. On this ad, it's Peter Parker hawking t-shirts. It's just like, wow, interesting. So you have your Marvel t-shirts in the 60s, and usually there is a superhero here with the blurb about, you know, why you should buy the t-shirts, and this time mm-hmm. it's Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I should point out, this issue yeah. is probably the most flagrant indication of the unfortunate breakdown in communication between Stan Lee and Steve Ditko that okay. happened during the last year or two of them working together. Okay. And it may not even be something you picked up on. Well, but, I might have, because I have some questions. But Okay. Who uh, do the purple guys work for? Right. That was my main only question. Because initially I thought it was the cat burger, and then later I was like, wait, did I just assume that? No, they say it twice. Okay, they do say it. But that doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. But the cat burger never really mentions them or Nope. They're not the same motif. It's weird. Mm-hmm. So Last issue, somebody mentioned that there have been cat burglaries and thefts of scientific equipment. Uh Both of those plot ideas are continuing in this issue, but Stan Lee thought they were the same plot idea, and Steve Ditko wasn't talking to Stan. Okay. Because because when they're robbing the truck, one of the purple guys has a thought bubble like, my plan was perfect. So I thought that was also the cat burglar, but that means he has two different costumes and does two different things. Yeah, no. It was weird. It was weird. So the cat burglar is wrapped up in this issue, and the purple guys we're going to see more next issue. Okay, so they're really not related. No, nope. they just but they seem related, but they don't. Yeah, I can. I'm starting to feel the decline. Like like you said, I think it's uh, uh, not as good as it used to be. Although I do, I like the the non superhero plot stuff still quite mm-hmm. a bit. It's just the superhero stuff. It's almost like. Don't even bother with it if you're not going to put any energy into it, you know? Right. <laughs> like, just give me all the give me all the romance stuff. I'd rather just read that. I'm curious about your thoughts on the next three issues because it is like Ditko's other really big trilogy is the Master Planner arc, which is coming up in 31 to 33. So okay, um, that's the high point of this last year of the title. Okay. Um, on an unrelated note, my brain used to always get this guy. And the Fox from yes. the 1980s. They look the and same. I also keep trying to make him the Black Cat's father. Uh-huh. Because unless I'm completely mistaken, the Black Cat's father was also a cat burglar. But that could be making that up because my brain likes to confuse it all together. Or is the Black Cat's father the Fox? No. Mm. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's true. Okay. Well, I did think I did think of the Fox when I was reading this, although I didn't think they were supposed to be the same character. But he sure looks like him. Mm-hmm. The fox is cooler. The fox has a bit oh, more yeah. of a, like, you know, shtick going on with him. Well, he has a mustache, and he's not yeah. green, so that automatically makes him cooler. He's more suave. This guy just looks like, when he's out of costume in that one page, he's just a schmo in an apartment. Yeah. 
no one, no one will ever suspect me just a schmo being the right. cat burglar. Yeah, he was the dumbest part of it. I feel like I've said that about some other issue we just read where the, oh, the molten man. In both cases, it just felt like they're slapped on because we have to have some sort of fight. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. otherwise, I don't care at all. And I especially didn't care about this guy because he doesn't, he should have just been taken out in like a panel. I don't know. It was just weird. He just got really lucky, I guess. Peter is really eager to get away from Aunt May and a lot of this issues. Is we can go play Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And it just feels a little bit ironic in a bad way because we see Aunt May is sick. Mm-hmm. And Peter's like, oh, whatever. And at the end of the issue, Jonah's like, here's some money. And Peter's like, just pay me whatever. I don't really care. His aunt is getting sicker and he doesn't even realize it. Right. He's going to care about that money pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And his aunt. But that's how that works. You always care about someone you know, more when you realize you're losing them. But humans are weird that way. Humans are weird that way. And he's young still. I mean, I know he's out of high school now, but he's still not fully formed. Little nod to the bigger universe because of Anthony Stark's factory in the truck. Yeah, that was cool. I liked that. We've, we've been getting some Anthony Stark, you know, between this and Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of there. He's just there now. He's part of this universe. I really liked Jonah's, like, imagined <laughs> Spider-Man face. Yes. On page five, those last two panels. Uh-huh. That's pretty great. That is really good. Ditko is awesome at making Jameson panic. And we got Fosworth well again, although I'm not sure I care, but it's interesting that he continues to exist, I guess. He does. He does continue to exist. And like he's going to continue to be like a recurring supporting character uh-huh. until I know where his story goes. It's just, it's just really interesting to watch. Um, Tell you what I do care about. I so care about Liz it, Allen and I... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, Liz Allen. I, I just want more Liz Allen. Like, especially now that she's all, like, depressed and not Liz Allen anymore. Uh-huh. It's like, I just want more of that. And they're giving us little bits here and there, but I just hope they continue. Because um, I don't know what's going on with her. <laughs> well, as it happens, we're not going to see her again until issue 132. Oh. oh, my God. What a waste. She is out of the book. Wow. Well, I guess that was her story. She was high that school was sweet, st- high school sweetheart. Graduated, realized she's she's just going to be a working girl, and over. Did that scene with Liz feel a little bit like Mary Jane in the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie? Yeah, like whenever he catches sure. up with her outside of high school, and she's like embarrassed. Yeah, embarrassed and working at a diner or whatever. Uh huh. Yeah, and I feel yeah, like a did. similar vibe. Wow. And what the hell, Flash? You're mm. at you're at creepy levels now. Maximum creepy level. Yeah. This is also the last time he cares about her. Like when we see him again, Liz is off his sights. Okay. Well, that's good, I guess, because I haven't, I haven't been, I haven't been sure of how much of a creep he's been because I couldn't tell if they were dating or not dating for the longest time. You know, we uh, can flesh this out a little bit though. Okay. So he totally blew her off uh on graduation day, last day of school. Right. Like, and now, you know, sometime after school is out, he's going after her. So whatever is going on in his summer, he's like, oh, I wish I had Liz around, you know. Uh-huh. And then by the time we get to college, he is not going to care about her anymore. It kind of feels like the two, like the most popular kids in high school are now having a reality check or something. Yeah. Like they graduated and realized that their popularity means nothing out here in the real world. So now he wants uh-huh. her back. Now he wants her back. But at the same I feel time, like that's what Liz was realizing uh, last yeah, time we saw her. Except she's having a different reaction of "I don't want him back." Right? She's <laughs> trying to grow up and figure out her life. Right, and he's trying to regress. Mm-hmm. 
So I never thought I would compare Aunt May and Doctor Who. Okay. Um, the first Doctor, William Hartnell, mm-hmm. and May both have similar reactions to slang. To what? Slang. Oh, okay. Like teen speak. Uh-huh. She goes from being like, don't use that horrible slang, to being obliviously obtuse to its meaning and usage. Oh, the most what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I literally heard um, the doctor say today, someone says, you're really with it. He's like, oh, yes. Uh, with what? Yeah. Well, they also look alike. but They do. <gasps> May is the doctor. May could be the doctor. That's why she never dies. She could be like the 15th doctor for all we know. She could. Because he can mm. live anywhere or anytime. So, yeah. That's a little bit weird comparison between those two that I was not expecting. Peter Parker super jumping on page seven. Pointless, but I like it. Uh, I don't know. Oh, why yeah, yeah, yeah. To get away from. Uh, I just like when he jumps around as Peter Parker and not, and not Spider-Man. I don't know. It's a thing. And he knocks out Flash first. That was a picture of Flash's face on the panel before that. I was like, oh. Yeah, that's a great scene. I like that all that. That is weird because now that they're out of high school, it's like, are they going to try and have forced situations of how Flash and Peter Parker continue to be jerky to each other? Um, It's not going to be too forced. They are out of high school, but they are going to the same college. Yeah, so there you go. That's how. Just for the record, Ned Leeds has been in the comics for exactly a year. Mm -hmm. He spent half of that time in Europe. Mm-hmm. While he and Betty were allegedly, allegedly, hardly writing to each other. Well, do we believe that? No, we don't. <laughs> I feel like I feel like they had a really romantic, long distance relationship, and now he's trying to, you know, cement it. Yeah, he's trying to, you know, get with Betty. And I don't know. On the one hand, Betty's poor communication and Peter's bad reaction keep this from going like it might have gone. But on the other hand, I think they're both dodging a bullet here Mm -hmm. because i think they're like oil and water at this point because she does seem to claim like she was about to say something like i still love you but also before that happened she says that's what first attracted me to you peter you were so such and such Mm -hmm. so it's like that sounds like that means you're no longer attracted to me or to peter so i think that's where she was going and then his reaction sort of freaked her out maybe they're just too scared to stop that kind of happens sometimes, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, people. I think people stay together way longer than they should sometimes, and that's just because you just don't know if if you can make it better or if there's gonna be if it's gonna be worse if you break up. You're gonna be alone again. You know, you have to decide like like what is the relationship worth compared to losing right. the relationship. Right. So then they stay together another year. You hear that all the time. Like, oh, yeah, I stayed with this guy two years longer than I should have or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like that's where they're at. Like they should just freaking call it and say it, but they don't. Well, Betty Brandt seems to definitely be like for all of her suspicions and bad treatment of Peter earlier. She definitely seems to be in a position where if you would just say the word Peter I would say no to Ned mm-hmm. because I want to be with you. But, but then she lists all the aspects of Peter that she loves. And Peter's like, <laughs> that's, that's not, not who I am. No. So instead it's of being, Spider-Man. it'd be nice if he wasn't mad about that. It's not her fault. She doesn't know that. But, mm-hmm. but again, he's young and it's okay to be mad again. Um, just because there are so few still in the comics. I want to mention there's another character of color with an actual spoken line. Okay. At the, at the end of the story, one of the police officers. Wow. 
I did just jump from page nine to page 19 because, because all the cat burglar stuff. Right. I'm fine with that. There's nothing to say about that, really, <laughs> that I didn't already say. That last panel I mean, is pretty awesome, though. It's fine. It's mildly entertaining. It's not what makes this issue good. I like the bit where they're like, they find him in the chimney and then they're kind of threatening to cut the rope. But he's like, no, don't do it. I don't know. That was kind That's of funny. funny. That's pretty Hiding funny. in the chimney was a pretty good move. That was a very Batman. Yeah. Indiana Jones. Something. Right. Uh, yeah. We do end on one of the best iconically Ditko panels in all of his run. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just good. a great, great composition there. Yep. Tells you everything you need to know. Spider-Man ruins everything. So, yeah. Um, that's issue 30. You know, it's not a bad issue. It has no. a lot of good stuff, but about half of it's throwaway. Yeah, I just think, like, we. I feel like we just haven't had a villain that I cared about that much lately. But mm-hmm. when was the last time Doc Ock threw Spider-Man through a window or something? Right? We definitely need some Doc Ock back. Scorpion? I mean, eh. But anyway, I know we'll Ramita brings Dr. Octopus back in a really cool multi-part story. Good. Um, that's like in the forties, I think. Okay. But like I said, the next three issues, I'm curious to see your reaction to them as we go through them, because they're whenever I said before that the Spider-Man quits was my favorite trilogy of the two trilogies. Mm-hmm. This is the other trilogy that people are like, Oh no, that's better. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And then he leaves. But now it's Gorgon time. Gorgon, the conclusion. Oh, oh, this is me. Oh, shoot. Yeah, this is you. <laughs> I totally laid down my comic and went into wait mode to let you oh, no. recap. That's my uh, turn. The Fantastic 444 to 444 to 444. We have read 44 of these things. Yeah, which, I mean, that's a lot. It is a lot. Even just in one sitting, that'd be a lot. 44 issues of the Fantastic Four? Yeah. Okay, but this is this is the beginning of like, I mean, the Frightful Four run was pretty great. Mm-hmm. I've been looking forward to this run. What, wondering if we would even get here mm-hmm. for like the whole length of the podcast. Here we are, episode one hundred three, starting in the gentleman's name is Gorgon, <sighs> or what a way to spend a honeymoon. <laughs> Dreamed up by Stan Lee, sketched down by Jack Kirby, inked in by Joe Sinnott, and lettered around by S. Rosen. Here's the shortest introduction on record. Mr. and Mrs. Reed Richards have set up housekeeping at the Baxter Building. There. Hope we didn't bore you. Starring Stretcho, Sweetums, Blue Eyes, and Matched. Wow. Yeah. El Stretcho. Reintroducing Madame Medusa and the ever-delightful Dragon Man. So, we had a wedding. Mm-hmm. And Reed Richards thinks it'd be really great to construct the first fully automated dishwasher machine, mm-hmm. which is just like, oh my gosh, this is 1965. <laughs> there weren't dishwashers. <laughs> Not like this. Yeah. Um, Sue is in her Fantastic Four costume with a <sighs> kitchen apron. Yikes. Over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Ben Grimm and his, you know, ever sexist self, since Reed Richards is making a dishwashing machine, next you'll be inventing a new way to embroider lace doilies. You're going to set the superhero business back a hundred years, because I guess washing dishes and embroidering lace doilies are the same kind of job. I think I... Someone just set something back a hundred years. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Anyways, Ben's having an app, uh, 
I'm sorry, Johnny's having a nap. Ben waits him up and they start wrestling. Johnny's like, I've had enough of all this. Uh, the two lovers are making me sick. Ben's annoying. I'm flying out of here. He gets into his car and then he hears a thunderclap from the sound of a foot hitting the pavement nearby, which causes like an earthquake. He uh, drives his car and Medusa pops up in the back with a gun in hand. She wraps her hair around the wheel, wraps her hair around Johnny. She's like, drive fast. I've got to get away from Gorgon. Uh, meanwhile, the thunderclaps and f- impacts of the uh, foot outside continue to cause earthquakes and tremors that are noticed up in the Baxter building. Uh, ben looks outside and sees a big pair of brown boots climbing up the building. Uh-huh. Like They stick their foot into the building every time they want a foothold. Um, Reed tries to reach out with his stretchy arm to get the guy, but the uh, hand gets kicked. So he pulls it back inside. Ben starts climbing up the wall and sees somebody getting away in a helicopter. Johnny and Medusa end up outside of the city near a river. Johnny's like, there's no way I can trust you. You are Medusa. We've fought you for the last six issues. Johnny shoots some flame at her feet at the ground and opens up a hole in the ground. And out comes Dragon Man. Because this happens to be the place where he was buried after the whole fight over at Empire University. Not Empire University, State University. Mm-hmm. Um, Dragon Man sees Medusa and is like, oh. Because he remembers seeing Susan Storm and she was nice. And he thinks that maybe Medusa's going to be nice to him too. Meanwhile, while they're talking, the mysterious feet show up as well. And they kick a bunch of rubble at Dragon Man. And this is Gorgon. He has found Medusa. He fights with Dragon Man. The other two members of the Fantastic Four are trying to get there. Johnny, um, sorry, Medusa tries to get away in the car, but Dragon Man picks up the car and flies away with it. Johnny flames on and goes after Dragon Man, but cannot catch up. Reed is back at the... Um, Headquarters getting his hand wrapped because they got hurt earlier. Now it's in a sling. He stretches out. Uh, ben and Sue grab onto his feet. They get carried away into the air. Turns out Dragon Man has picked them up and pulled them onto the roof. We see Medusa. We see the car sitting on top of the roof. Everyone's all like, what the heck is going on here? And Gorgon shows up. All of you stand where you are. It is only Medusa that I seek. Uh, Susan, not knowing what's happening, decides to protect Medusa from the man because women stick together whenever men are being creepy and violent. And um, Gorgon keeps on fighting Dragon Man. He's like, you know, Medusa needs to belong with her people. I need to take her back with me. They're like, wait a second. You have people? Medusa belongs to another race? And Reed's like, hey, I want to know more. And Ben's like, yeah, this isn't the time, Reed. <laughs> Johnny finally catches up. Um joins the fight with some fire and basically the fight continues on until Dragon Man flies away with Susan and Gorgon runs off with Medusa and Gorgon kicks the side of the building, collapsing the wall and the roof under the boys of the Fantastic Four. And we end on a, not so much a cliffhanger as a cliff falling to the ground. Woohoo. Yeah. This was fun. This was fun. Now, I do have to – I'll just start with criticism because there's not a lot of it. But I almost wish the art choices were slightly different. Like I, if this pinup in the very beginning is cool and all, but they also make a big point of not revealing what he looks like for the longest time. Mm-hmm. So it's like why did you show us what he looks like then? 
He's and not then, on the cover, and he's it, not in like the first six right, pages he appears on. Right, but he's in the pinup at the very beginning. So it's like now you know what he looks like. And then like it's just all this feet, feet, powerful earthquake, feet. And then page nine is like, and I'm Gorgon, and he's like this little tiny panel. I don't know. It would have been cooler if that was a big splash page of his entrance or something. I have noticed that big reveals on little panels have been a thing. Uh-huh. Juggernaut. Juggernaut. Yep. Gorgon. It's going to happen with Blackpold at the end of next issue because I read that uh, yesterday. Um, it's just like the whole big visual of a person's first appearance, mm-hmm. I guess it's just not a thing yet. I guess not, but they are starting to do more splash pagey stuff. Mm-hmm. So they are sort of figuring it out. Like Dragon Man gets a pretty decent panel when he yeah. pops out. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, you would think it'd be a no-brainer, but I guess they're still hammering out this whole comic book thing. So we need to talk about the whole domestic woman thing at the beginning. Uh, yeah, I guess we do. That yeah. apron really doesn't help the argument, does it? Mm-hmm. It does not. Um, <laughs> ben is annoyed because this place has become super domestic. Like, mm-hmm. okay, they've been living in the Baxter building for a while now, right? Yeah. Or at least not living and sleeping. At least they've been residing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure they've had plenty of meals here and probably washing dishes and stuff. I mean, stuff has existed. Also, bottom of page two, knock it off, you two. This is no place for rough housing. Honestly, boys, I will never get dinner ready with all this commotion. Mm-hmm. Johnny, you're going to get ashes all over the furniture. Mm-hmm. It's just they're turning they're turning the, the housewife thing up to 11. They are. I think the two guys... Johnny and Thing are complaining about both of them, but really only it seems like Susan is being obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Like I got the idea that it's supposed to be that both Reed and Sue are enjoying being married and not really doing super adventure stuff or working in the lab to find new uh, negative zones or anything like that. They're just hanging out and cuddling and giggling and watching TV and probably having sex a lot and stuff. Uh, 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 but they mostly just make it about Sue being like this mother wife now. Yeah, which is it's weird. not great. No, and yeah, um, I mean she kind of was like anyway. Gonna, but. Well, I feel like it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, because I know the first time that Susan leaves the team, it's for domestic reasons. Uh, how do how do we how do we wash dishes? Yeah. yeah. So I didn't do any research on this one. I didn't look at the state of the wish, dishwasher technology in 1965. I just assumed that Reed Richards invented it here. Well, it says first fully automated dishwasher mechanism. Yeah. So I wonder what other things Reed invents over the years that actually turn out to eventually be real. Do you think he then sees an actual dishwasher that gets invented and goes, oh, yeah, that's that's way easier. <laughs> way easier than this thing that I made. <laughs> Mine took up the entire wall and looks super advanced. Although industrial dishwashers, like in kitchens and stuff and like restaurants, uh, they're pretty big because they yeah. do like um, – a conveyor belt system. This isn't that thing, and I can't even remember what that thing is called. But it's one. Of, it looks like one of those things. What are those things like? Where it's overly complicated. That's like oh, a thing. Oh yeah, it's got a, a word. machine that's way too complicated than it needs to be. Yeah, Ugh, I can't remember what it's called. I know but exactly it, what you're talking about. But that's kind of what it looks like. Like it looks like the beginning of Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> Just all those dishes being chugged through that treadmill or that you know whatever that is assembly line. When Johnny leaves, he says he's going to go see Dory. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Dory? Yeah. She was I mean, at the wedding, allegedly. Mm-hmm. But we haven't seen her. 
Well, he doesn't have his own book anymore. And even when he did, he didn't see her that often. I think Dory's, I'm not going to say only appearances are in Strange Tales, but if she appeared in the Fantastic Four, it was few and far between. So she's still lingering through being mentioned, but he obviously doesn't even make it to see her. So No, no, because they get caught up in the storyline. Yeah. This was cool, though. I like that she's all in the backseat, spy-like with the gun, vacuum gun and all that, and the stingray and this weird thing chasing her. What I'm really paying attention to with all this is why is Medusa running from Gorgon? I guess why we'll is find she trying out. to get away? Because she doesn't want to marry Black Bolt. That's my guess or something <laughs> like that. She doesn't want to wash his dishes. Yeah. I'm not wearing no apron. I love the walking up the wall. You know, it's kind of a silly power if you think about it. This guy has like weird goat hooves and when he hits something with his foot, like the entire building crumbles. But it actually is quite effective dramatically the way they draw it and use it in the story. I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool. I like it, yeah. Him him climbing up the walls and, and uh, uh, blackmailing them to hand her over or I'm going to destroy this entire city block with my feet. I don't know. It's pretty cool. And we get to Johnny and Medusa. Johnny offers to help her if she's in some kind of trouble, but mm-hmm. she's like, if you think that I'm going to help the from, I'm going to accept help from the Fantastic Four. So it's not like she's done playing supervillain. So then why grab him in the first place? Just because she happened to be there and he had a car? Or was she going for their, to help them, to, to get them involved somehow? I think she was mm, – she hid in the car. Like in wait, And though. now that – Yeah. I guess she hid in the car just to hide. But now that he got in the car mm. and Gorgon was there, that was her chance to escape. But she ran to their building. I mean, come on. It's true. I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe she wants to trust them but can't trust them. Speaking of Johnny, I don't know if anyone out there has ever thought about how Johnny's age lines up with Peter Parker's. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I've thought that for some reason that Johnny might be a year older than he is. Okay. But it's pointed out here that he should be enrolling for college right now. Mm. And we're going to see Peter Parker enrolling for college next issue. So That's they have same. both just graduated high school. Can you really break Reed Richards' arm? I thought about that too. I did too. And then I decided I gave up. But If he's rubber... And he just gets kicked in the rubber. Isn't he just rubber? <laughs> and would wrapping his arm in a bandage help or make a difference? Now, he has had to rest his stretchies before. Okay. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe it was because this foot is really powerful. So maybe when it steps on you at full force, it just overtaxes his stretchy, his ability mm. to be flat or something. He can only go so flat. Um, This is weird. My note that I wrote here is weird. Okay. Okay, so page eight, mm-hmm. Dragon Man sees Medusa. Mm-hmm. Panel three says, and like a mist clearing, he remembers the one human who had ever shown him kindness. Mm-hmm. Another human with soft, silken hair. Mm-hmm. A girl named Sue. And for some reason I wrote, this reminds me of, for some reason, the bit at the end of the cage. They had never seen a human. Hmm. In Star Trek, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know why Dragon Man thinks that hair is cool. If it's just that he has none, but boys have hair too, but I guess they don't have hair as long, maybe at least not in his experience. Yeah. Plus thing has no hair and human torches hair is on fire. So maybe it's the hair. Maybe it's the fact that he associates females with, uh, being kind to him at this point. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It was a cool moment. Frankenstein moment though. I don't know. Gave Gorgon something to fight. And Gorgon, it says that he has lead boots. Mm -hmm. Dang. It's like, not only is he kicking with the full force of his inhuman power, he's augmenting that by giving himself some really, really hard footwear. Yeah. Um, we get to page 11. 
Yeah. Panel four. And they're talking about who could it be? I'd never heard of him with such powerful feet. And Reed's like, I wish I knew the Hulk has leg muscles. If it wasn't him. Uh-huh. So they're, they're actually talking about who it could be rather than the whole, it could only be the I wizard. Know, right? I did like that. I like when they mention other people. And it makes me think, like, if I was indexing the Marvel Universe, would I say that they mentioned the Hulk here? Would I want to know that? But that's just weird oh. thoughts that I have sometimes. Like, if I was yeah, really, if I was really into the Hulk, would I want to know every time the Hulk is mentioned or just when he shows up? Well, it's like, okay, so over at Spidey, I think it's Spidey.org or Spiderfan.org. Spiderfan, yeah. They have every Spider-Man appearance, but they also have cameo appearances. Mm-hmm. But they also have, like, appearances of pictures of Spider-Man. Yeah. See? And that's just, like, a lot of depth. I'm not sure I need. I don't, but I'm not sure I don't. But I don't right. know. Luckily, I've never tried to index it, so I haven't had to make the choice. But I do think about those things sometimes. Like, Why if they, have we been indexing the entire thing along the way here? Yeah. Oh, let's start over. Yeah, we should have been. That was stupid. Oh, well. We can catch up. Um, I think it's cool that Reed wants to know more. I do think it's on. It's, I think it's just for selfish reasons, maybe. But it's always a good idea to talk to the person and find out what they want instead of just punching right. them. Also, the thing is now my new favorite superhero from 1965 because there's this bit on page 17 where he's like, where Human Torch is like, I'm going to shoot you with fireballs, Gorgon. And he's like... You don't frighten me. I know who you are. You've pledged never to use your flame to cause bodily harm. And things like, <laughs> I never took any pledge not to hurt nobody. <laughs> it's like, finally, someone means who has not the, pledged. The thing is above Loki at this point, or below right. Loki, maybe. Right. It's like everybody who's powerful has pledged to do no harm. And it's just like this really obnoxious plot point And things like, nah, not me. I'll punch you. That's okay. So Jack Kirby really likes revealing ancient, powerful, secret races. Mm-hmm. That's his thing. Yeah. Reed's curiosity kind of begs the question. Because um, he says, Gorgon mentions something about Medusa and the, 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 him being of the same race. I want to learn more about that race. So before doing this podcast, mm-hmm. how would you rate your interest level in the Inhumans as far as wanting to know more or read more about them? Uh, six, I guess, out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. They're interesting. I said that the more that they do with the Inhumans, the less interesting they become. Okay. That's That's, what people say. That's probably true of a lot of things. Probably. You ever notice notice a mysterious character becomes less interesting the more you get to know about them? Right. If it's a guy that you don't know anything about, it's like, wow, he could be anybody. And then it's like, oh, no, actually, he's James Howlett from 18-whatever. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. not what I thought. But then, like, I've seen some stuff from some Inhumans, like, series from the 2000s or whatever, and I was like, that looks like some pretty cool ideas. So, I don't know. I mean, they're a staple of the Marvel Universe, and I know of them, and I know about who they are, kind of, but I am definitely, like, doing this podcast has afforded me the fun of, like, reading the origins of a lot of the stuff I take for granted. So, yes, I'm Mm -hmm. interested to know what they originally think the Inhumans are. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like I like their early stuff. Um, I haven't read much Inhumans focused stuff past. Um, they get a segment in Marvel's next anthology titles, mm-hmm. uh, and like 1970, they start up a series called Amazing Adventures. I think it is, and the Inhumans are in a segment in that. Um, I haven't read much Inhumans focused stuff after that, though. I like that he stops the fight and asks, though. That's very Doctor Who, which is a sign of intelligence, I guess. Like. Why don't you actually explain what you're trying to kill us for? Yeah. Interesting. What's, this, what's the story behind all the fighting? And then they keep fighting anyway, because it never works to ask, but that's okay. 
And Dragon Man abducts Sue, and Gorgon catches Medusa, and the building the guys are standing on is collapsing off from under them. So tune in next time, kids. Tune in next time. Boy, we still got one more to go, don't we? Well, yes, we do. However, uh-huh. we have a couple of minutes to cover the end of the month discussion. Oh, sorry. Didn't even know that was coming, did ya? No. So we could just end it on three and do an end of the month discussion and not cover four, but then would that disappoint everybody? Or I don't know. I don't know either. That would ruin everything, wouldn't it? It would ruin my entire life. All right. Well, let's just at least do the month thing first. Okay. So should I write them down? Yeah. Not in the order in which we covered them necessarily, but just in the order there on my screen. Daredevil number 10 with the organizer and the um, the furries. <laughs> right. Journey into Mystery 121, Thor versus the Absorbing Man. Mm-hmm. And the Maelstrom was in the back up. We have Tales to Astonish 73. Uh, first of all, we had Namor abandoning his quest to go save Dorma. And then Hulk battling a creature on the other world while the Watcher watchers. Mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man 30 with the cat. Avengers 21 with Power Man. The Fantastic Four 44, 44, which we just read. Sergeant Fury 23, the man who failed. Um, that was the one on the Burma Road. You meet the man who failed. What? Sergeant Fury was the nun thing. That was the nun thing. Okay. Yeah, they tried to escort a nun to whatever, and we learned something about Percy. That's right. And his brother. Okay. Yeah. Strange Tales 138 uh, had the Nick Fury issue. Sometimes the good guys lose where they fail to stop the uh, brain bomb from going up into the air. Mm-hmm. And then Doctor Strange of Eternity should fail where they go to meet Eternity. And he's like, he fails. Click your <laughs> heels three times. Yeah. And finally, Tales of Suspense 71, Iron Man beats Titanium Man, but at what price? Mm -hmm. And Captain America finishes his Golden Age adventures when you lie down with dogs. I've got it. I know both already. This is fast for me this time. Okay. Avengers could easily have taken it, and so could the Fantastic Four. But I'm going to give it to Iron Man, because I feel like I haven't done that in a while. Okay. And it was pretty solid. I liked how, like... He got upset about uh, Happy being hurt, and he, like, just out-scienced Titanium Man, like, mm-hmm. brutally. And then, like, the end is Pepper hating him because he's Iron Man. I don't know. It's a good setup. And and Pepper and, – and, and what's his name? Happy's still on, you know, closer to death than life. So, yeah, it was dramatic and fun. I liked it. Okay, good. What's your lowest? Lowest is easily the Hulk because the leader shenanigans are just – kind of boring the heck out of me and not only are they boring but now they're just giving him magic science which is kind of obnoxious like the whole faster than thought teleport watcher watcher interferes grab this big yellow orb orange thing i don't know it was i don't like it hulk is not working for me well you took my worst okay so i'm going to join you on the hulk yeah um there were some solid issues this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iron Man was definitely really good. Yeah. The art on Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. is really good, mm-hmm. which elevates that story. I don't think the story is as good as the art, right. but the art makes it all better. Mm-hmm. Um, Sergeant Fury was decent, but it's kind of a Midland story. Um, I was not super loving Avengers and Spider-Man. Yeah. Although both had good qualities, and there are parts of Spider-Man that I really like. But the right. issue as a whole, no. Yeah. 
Um, so I'm kind of torn between Thor and Fantastic Four, and mm-hmm. I'm going to go. Actually, I, I liked a lot of Daredevil too. I'm going to give it to Fantastic Four. Yeah, Fantastic Four had a lot of good stuff in it. It did. It was pretty and good. Other than the sexism at the beginning, I don't think there's really a strike against the story. Yeah, yeah, I could have picked Fantastic Four too, but I just remember like Iron Man was a really fun read this month. Yeah, yeah. If okay. you had said Fantastic Four, I might have thought about Iron. Man. <laughs> I can't remember the time Iron Man has been a winner for me, but you know, it has been in the past. I know that, but Mm -hmm. okay. So that's August down. That's August. Should we kick off September at an hour and 20, which after cutting out silence is probably going to be closer to an hour and 15. So I say we do one more. Let's do one more. So starting off in September 2nd, 1965, we've got Journey into Mystery, or as they just call it, The Mighty Thor, number 122, where mortals fear to tread. That title change is going to become official pretty soon. Yeah, they're already just referring to things that way in the editor's notes, you know, see mm-hmm. Thor, see Thor 124, or whatever. Uh, written with compassion by Stan Lee, drawn with comprehension by Jack Kirby, inked with competence by Vince Coletta, lettered for compensation by Artie Semek. They all took compensation. That's true. Um, last issue. Oh, did I say where mortal where mortals fear to tread is what it's called. Last issue while battling the dreaded absorbing man, Mighty Thor turned to aid a helpless child. As he did so, his foes struck him from behind, downing him. And now, well, basically, what now is is the absorbing man like holding his hands over his head and looking at the crowd that's gathered and being like, "I did it! Oh yeah." I beat Thor. And Thor's like, well, you knocked me down. But, you know, that doesn't mean I'm done. So he just gets back up and starts wailing on Absorbing Man way more hard than he did before. And not just hard, but using God's speed with the idea that if he goes so fast when he touches the Absorbing Man, the Absorbing Man won't have enough time to absorb his power. And whether that's true or not, because the Absorbing Man still seems awfully tough, the Absorbing Man no, can no longer land a blow either because Thor is just moving so fast. He's just hammering and hammering and hammering. Absorbing Man's starting to panic. But not only is Absorbing Man starting to panic, but his benefactor, Loki. So if we recall, uh, Loki has been sentenced to servitude to some sorcerer guy named Ularic, but he's also put Ularic under a sleepy spell and has been basically running his shop and pretending to be a slave. But he's not really anymore. In fact, he's just sitting there watching Earth on his view screen, which is his favorite thing to do. He's seeing that the Absorbing Man is losing and that Thor is going nutso. And he's also noticing that lately Odin has been sending lots more warriors out to just do patrols and kind of leaving like a skeleton crew to guard Asgard or at least the castle. So he's like, maybe these two things happening at the same time is good for me. I'm going to bring... Absorbing man up here to me. So he shoots a, you know, Asgardian laser beamy, attractor beam thing, he calls it. And suddenly the absorbing man is gone. And Thor's like, hey, that looked like an Asgardian attractor beam. So I got to go to Asgard. Um, but before that happens, all of a sudden he hears, help me, Thor, help me, help me. And he's like, what? He looks up and he sees a woman that looks like Jane. And he's like, boy, ever since Jane's been gone, I've been seeing Jane everywhere. That girl looks just like Jane and sounds just like her too. But it's not, of course. I mean, I'll go help her because it looks like there's smoke and a broken window. And he goes up there and he busts through with his hammer 
and she's unconscious. And he looks at her and he's like, wait, this is Jane. What the heck? She's unconscious. She needs Dr. Blake. So he turns back to Dr. Blake. And as that happens, there's suddenly a click and he looks up and the hooded man that has been imprisoning Jane the last couple issues has a camera and snapped the picture of the change. And he's like, now, now I know who you really are. And Donald Blake's like, okay, but now I have to kill you. Who are you? And the guy takes off his mask and reveals himself to be Harris Hobbs. What? Now, for those of you, those of you listening and are thinking, who's Harris Hobbs? I'm kind of with you, but I did kind of remember. He's the guy who was the newspaper reporter dude that was there when Absorbing Man originally showed up. And we kind of thought, I bet there's going to be more to this guy. Turns out there is. He kidnapped, or we'll get to that in a second. Because now we're back on Asgard. Crusher Creel's up there, and he's like, what the heck? I'm going to smash anything that moves. And Loki's like, don't smash me. I created you. He's like, I don't believe you. So he snaps his finger and sends Crusher to, like, this really cold place. And even though he's absorbing himself like snow and turning into snow, it apparently still makes him cold, and he doesn't like it. And so when Loki brings him back, he's like, okay, I promise to do whatever you say. He's like, oh, come on with me. And he storms the castle, basically. And as all these guys come, all these guards of Odin come at uh, uh, Loki, Crusher gets in the way and just starts beating him up. And he's like, he can absorb their maces and their, you know, weapons and all that. So he's basically way more powerful. We cut back to uh, the, uh, the office of Donald Blake. He has taken Jane there. She wakes up. She's like, I... What happened? How did I get here? And he says, don't you worry. You're an insignificant character, and I don't have to explain anything to you. And she's like, okay, I love you. And then he goes as Thor back to talk to Harris. And Harris is like, listen, I've imprisoned her because I kind of knew you'd come and save her, and I wanted to blackmail you and all that stuff. And he's like, how dare you do that to me? And he like smacks his hammer really hard. And Harris is like, yeah, but you can't kill me. You made a vow. You're not the thing. And he's like, oh, yeah? So he does... Thor starts spinning around really fast and send him into a vortex and they start time traveling together. He's like, I could just leave you here in the dinosaur era. It doesn't actually hurt you, but you'll probably die. Or I could take you to the future of Earth where everybody, all these Morlock people live in like weird holes and stuff and you'll probably die. And he's like, thank you, God. And he comes back to the present and Harris is all shook it up and he's like, thank you, God, for not killing me. He's like, but can I just have one request? I know I kidnapped your boo and all that, but he's like, okay, fine. It interests me. What is your request? Can I go to Asgard with you? I promise I won't write anything about it and you can even like, Kiss me with your godly kiss and wipe my brain later, a la Superman 2. But I just want to go because as a you know writer, I just want to you know see things that no one else, no human has ever seen. And Thor's like, okay, fine, you've convinced me. Meanwhile, we cut back to Asgard, and the Absorbing Man looks really weird because he's absorbed a spear, and now he looks like Spear Pointy Man. It's kind of bizarre. But Spear Pointy Man finally confronts Odin, and Odin's like, who are you? He's like, well, I'm Absorbing Man, and I'm going to knock you out, and Loki's going to take over. And he's like, you don't talk to me like that. I can move an entire human race in the blink of an eye from Earth to anywhere I want. I could easily kill you. So he picks up his cosmic rod and shoots it at Absorbing Man, and Absorbing Man becomes cosmic and shoots back, and Odin seemingly blows up. And then it says the end, not to be continued. So I assume this title's over. The end. The end. That was the mm-hmm. end. That was the end. 
What says spectacle beyond words, wonders beyond description, surprises beyond any mere mortal expectation will be yours next issue. It See, also says the end. Even though this is the end, they're going to have a really cool story next issue. Mm. Maybe Thor's okay. going to go to Wonderland or something. Yeah, that could be. Fight some so, space wow. monsters. This was something. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like when people talk about the really awesome Jack Kirby run of Thor, like we have definitely gotten into that. Yeah, it's on high high gear now. Mm-hmm. It's just fun stuff. God, I love this beginning so much. I love how Thor is like making him pay dearly for his cheap shot. Uh-huh. And then wanted to say but, uncle basically at the end. But I actually did think that last issue, like he I knew he hit him in the back of the head and he fell over, but I was like, does that mean he loses? And it's like, no, it doesn't. He just gets back up and he starts <laughs> wailing on him so bad. And he starts singing, I get knocked down, but I get up again. And this this is one of those instances where again Thor's powers are kind of ill-defined because I'm like, is he going at like a super, super fast speed, or is he just faster than Crusher? Because he talks about, like, godly speed and stuff like that. Does that mean he can go, like, faster than a speeding bullet? Or is he just punching him faster than Creel can dodge him? Yeah, my impression is that he's just going at really cool fastness, not superhuman fastness, you know? Yeah, right. Ulark is supposed to be keeping Loki captive. But Mm -hmm. we know captivity means nothing. Right. So maybe Ulark was just supposed to be keeping Loki busy with drudgery so he didn't have free time for mischiefs. Mm-hmm. In any case, Loki is up to some mischiefs. <laughs> well, he took over. Once again, Odin apparently trusts everybody to just like manage Loki, and Loki always becomes unmanageable. Is this what happens when you live in a society where everyone obeys a code of honor? Except the one guy. Except the one guy, but you keep expecting him to. Yeah, it's like that movie with Ricky Gervais where he invents lying. Did you ever see that? I did not. Which one is that? It's called The Invention of Lying, I think. And it's a world where nobody knows what a lie is. Nobody's ever lied. It's just never been invented. And then one day his character kind of accidentally lies and it works. And he's like, wow, I'm just going to keep doing this. And everybody goes with it because nobody lies. What's a lie? Right. So if I tell if I tell you something, I totally believe you. Yeah, it That's seems, what it feels like. It does feel like that. Also, Jane Foster is evidently a Tootsie Roll. A Tootsie Roll, okay. Whatever it is I think I see <laughs> becomes a Tootsie Roll to me. Thor just thinks he sees Jane Foster everywhere, but then he does see Jane Foster everywhere. Yeah, that was a little odd. Um, I'm not super disappointed by the reveal of what this dude was. I'm not sure what they could have done to satisfy me. It is very left field. It's a little left field, but at the same time, once they pull off the mask, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess kind of makes sense because they did just sort of drop this dude and it seemed like he was going somewhere. That's why they've kept this guy around. Yeah, because he managed to be in a couple issues before this. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, I don't know. But at the same time, like sometimes that's like I said, you know, the, the more you reveal a mystery, the less interesting it is. So I guess that happens. Um, why he was being so menacing and like, I don't yeah. know. It's a really weird way to get a story. His his journalism ethics are definitely up for question at this point. <laughs> so, a little odd. Like, I don't think he ever actually tried to hurt her. Like, he apologized and stuff, but it still is like a real... Why did he think that capturing her would get him something? I'm not sure how, I fig- how he figured that out. Somehow he linked Jane to Thor. And I have to go back yeah. and look at his previous appearances to see if there's anything in story that would let him to think of that. But he links Jane to Thor, so he figures keeping Jane on hand, eventually Thor is going to come to him. And his plan was just to take pictures of Thor and, like, sell him to the Daily Bugle or something? Uh, 
I uh, honestly, and then it turned out better. I honestly think his plan was to get Thor to show him Asgard. I think that's mm. what he went into this with. But he had that camera all ready to go. Mm-hmm. So it's like he was trying to trap him into showing his secret identity, but he should have no reason to think Thor has one. Unless he does. Unless he does. Unless he does have some reason. But like, and I, I, and I, I honestly can't remember the nuance of all his previous appearances. So maybe there was a hint that he had a secret ID in front of this guy at some point. Yeah. I just don't remember that. And just saying, hi, I've got photos of your secret identity. Please do what I say. It might not have meant to go any farther than that. He might have just been like, you know, using that as blackmail so he can get to see Asgard and find out where you my should, gods. You should know I can't allow you to keep that knowledge. Whoa, that sounded very menacing. Right. But and there's the god, so like he could take that off. He the can't channel. hurt mortals. He can't hurt. But he can make Jane forget. Hasn't he done that already? He has. He has made Jane forget before. He could make this guy forget. My initial thought was take him to uh snowy mountain and say i'll come back later to deal with you and then wait for an avalanche <laughs> like george reeves style yeah see that's the one episode i remember thor is superman after all yeah um we were just talking recently about how the absorbing man didn't even know why he suddenly had powers uh-huh and so he gets up here and loki's like i gave you your powers and he's like Psh, no you didn't right he is the dumbest dude like he has no um and that's okay. I like dumb characters. And I think he's consistently dumb throughout his whole career. But, mm-hmm. like, he just has no self-reflection. <laughs> he just does not care. He's just like, oh, cool, I can do this now. And then he does it. He can be somewhat crafty, I think, later, but he's never really that smart. No, no, that's not his style. It's just muscle. You you really nailed Jane Foster in your description, though. It is going to be a while before she gets a single personality trait other than loving Don Blake. Well, it was interesting that she was captured, and then he rescues her, and this panel just infuriated me. It's like, she's like, and why was I held captive? Felt like a pawn in a much bigger, more dangerous game. No need to worry about that now, my dear. I'll explain it all to you never. And she's like, I always feel good when you're around, and then he walks away. Mm -hmm. We never see Jane again. Oh, my gosh. Talk about no character. Are you going to leave me again? Yep. I don't need you to explain anything about my life. It's okay, because I don't really have one. Well, she's our she's our weakest female character at this point. Oh, by our, far. And and just you know, just to clarify out there, listener land, in case there's anybody who who doesn't understand this, when you talk about a strong female character, you're not necessarily, and I don't think even usually, meaning somebody who is physically strong or no. even emotionally strong. But she's like a character that has depth, a character who's believable, a character that has meaning within herself, you know? Yeah. And this is not Jane. <laughs> like, even as a supporting character, which is what she is, she, this is yep. Thor's book, mm-hmm. so, but even as a supporting character, she has nothing going on. Right. Like, at least Betty. Look at Betty. As, a hot, as big a hot mess as Betty is, there, we know lots about Betty. We can describe lots of things about Betty. I know nothing about Jane. Right. Zero. I feel like if I were in a conversation with Betty, I have a pretty good idea how that would go. Mm-hmm. Not so with Jane. Jane is other literally than, a... Yeah. All, other than her wanting Dawn, we know nothing about her. Which, honestly, when we did the first two Thor movies, that kind of translated over. I mean, they added some stuff to make her a little more interesting, but Natalie Portman stopped playing Jane because Jane was boring. She was basically the girlfriend, but they at least made her a scientist, so she had, like, things to do. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting because, like, I've read some of that Jane Thor stuff. It's so much different than this Jane. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so that movie should be fun. And but now we'll that see. they're doing something more interesting with the character, now the Portman's like, yep, I can do that. Yep, I could be Thor. Definitely. So Thor can time travel. We knew that already, actually. Never mind. I forgot about that. And he's Tomorrow not above some strong arm bully tactics. You drew the connection with George right. and Superman. I was thinking about like early comics of Superman. Uh-huh. I mean, Thor is way more powerful than Superman was in the early days, but he would also lean real hard on guys and do crazy mm-hmm. dangerous stuff to scare them. Yeah, that, that that bottom panel on page 12 is like, I'd be scared. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, no, nah, I know you won't hurt anybody. I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't be that Ho- secure about it. Hobbes is definitely trusting that oath to mean what it says it means. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny, by the way, because, and I don't know that Thor actually would do this. Maybe he is just threatening to trick him. But like, you can't say I wouldn't hurt a human, but it's okay for me to take you back to the dinosaur era and leave you there. Because it's like, yeah, but you knowingly are hurting a human then. Mm-hmm. Maybe not directly, but you're still letting somebody die because of what you did. I'm just leaving you tied to this train track. I don't see a train coming. So what happens to you after this is up to you. <laughs> right. I didn't hurt you. Uh... Um, it is weird, though, that Thor just agrees. Because bringing yeah. a mortal to Asgard, we've already established that's extremely uncool. That is what triggered the big story arc with right. Loki bringing Jane to Asgard and finding you know Odin walking in while Thor has Jane. And Loki's like, Thor, but a mortal to Asgard. And here Thor's like, yeah, I'll show you Asgard. It's cool. He is a brave man, a dedicated man, a man who has kidnapped my woman and threatened her her life and made me feel really bad for six months. I will grant his request. Mm. That's weird. It is weird. But Absorbed Man versus Odin is not a bad cliffhanger at all. It's not. He looks weird, but I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. I feel like Odin will destroy him, but that's just me. Well, he is the All-Father. He is the All-Father, and he seems way more powerful than all this physical nonsense, but who knows? Well, that takes us right. to... The second half of this, or less than half. The Grim Specter of Mutiny. When last we left them sailing into the mysterious Sea of Fear, Thor's mighty crew of Argonauts, sorry, sees that the dreaded pillars of Utgard loom ahead the pillars which bring instant death to any vessel which sails between them and then as the ship enters the maelstrom the panic begins but before we get to that stan lee story spectacular jack kirby a penciling panor- panorama a Vin- vince coletta a delineation drama Artie Semek, lettering landmark i don't know the a and the a and the n anyway so yeah, they're all going to commit mutiny and it's all because Loki's leading them and Thor's like, no, don't commit mutiny because yeah, we're all probably going to die and I don't really have a plan for this other than to muscle through it, but you have to do what I say. So they all attack and then we get some really cool panels of the Warriors 3. We get um, uh, the first guy, Fandral, like super charming and smiling and doing like these fun acrobatics and then we get Hogan. He's very grim and beating people and then my favorite is a Volstag who just stands up on top above everybody else and flexes. And Thor's like, you know, you could actually punch somebody. He's like, I'm getting to it. But before he can get to it, someone throws like a mace on the back of his head and he just falls into the group. But he's so heavy that that actually works. Um, And Thor says he accomplished more in defeat than he could have in victory. And that made me laugh. Um, Anyway, then they get interrupted because they hear a big, Woo noise, and it's because Balder, as of last issue, was climbing up to the top of the horsey thing that's on the front of their ship, and he has 
What is it called? I can't remember. He has some sort of... It's a horn. It's just a horn? It doesn't have a name? That's weird. It's Asgard. It's the horn of Asgard. And he's going to blow on it. Um, and it's supposed to, like, you know, help them get through the pillar. So everybody stops to wait to see if that happens. And it's to be continued. Which he started blowing that horn last issue. Yeah. But was he on top of the horsey thing at that point? I think so. I think he climbed up their last issue. It ended with him starting to blow the horn, and he is blowing the horn again. So we didn't get anywhere, essentially. Right. We're seeing what happens while he climbs the horsey. Yeah. Maybe they rewound a little bit so we could see the other half of the ship or something. Our first Warriors 3 fight. Fun. Yup, yup, yup. That was really fun. I loved it. Man, so far they've had uh, Volstagg focus twice on these backstories, and both times amused me to no end. Well, okay, so he stands up on the thing, and he's like, Fear not, Thunder God, you have the support of Invincible Volstag. The mere sight of my noble self makes strong man tremble. So he's not actually fighting. And Thor's like, yeah, a few blows from your hand wouldn't be a problem either. And <laughs> I like how Volstag makes like Thor a little snarky. It's funny. Yeah, well, that's what everyone's always like, yeah, Volstag, you could do more than just talk about fighting. You could actually <laughs> right. get involved. I, I'm just I'm just waiting for the right moment. I, I'm going to jump in any second now. Patunk. <laughs> so, yeah. A jackal has felled the Lion of Asgard. The Lion of Asgard. <laughs> oh, my God. That's just really funny. Yeah. Yeah, Kirby Kirp- does comedy pretty good. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this. But like you said, we kind of didn't get anywhere. It seems like we just ended where we ended last time but that's okay it's the most fun five pages i've read in a long time though <laughs> yeah it was pretty fun and it's nice to see the warriors three being all warriors three shall we see what our asgardian advisor has to say yes i'm sure this is dead on accurate this is definitely a story from the lore i know because i looked it up oh just kidding um let's see uh, decompressed storytelling. Even with Jack Kirby art, it's very hard to swallow. I wonder if they were bid- biding time until either Stan or Jack came up with an idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. I forgot to introduce him. This is from oh. Gene Hendricks, uh, Gene Gene, the podcasting machine of the Class 1000 role playing game podcast, the Anime Freaks podcast, the Hammer Strikes website blog and podcast. So, yeah. Uh, he is a worshiper of the Norse gods. He writes us with comments on these backup stories from the Tales of Asgard. And he goes on to say, we do get to see the origin of the Warriors 3, though. Their personalities seem to be pretty much fixed with where they'll be for the coming decades. So there's at least a single high point in the story. Cool. Um, his use of the word origin is interesting. I don't know if this is supposed to be their first time to fight together and they just keep fighting together after this. Well, they were introduced, but they were also introduced with villains, like to throw off the trail or something. Yeah, there were five people who were brought in. Yeah. So maybe so this the, is, I don't know. I mean, they're not called the Warriors 3 here. No, in fact, well, I said before, that that phrase does not get right. mentioned until way down the road. But it's easy yeah. to just use it. So it's basically, these are the three guys that weren't bad guys mm-hmm. that were introduced. Because so. we had Dave the Dastardly and... <laughs> and Larry the Eye Patch. Right, right. So... <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they've already tried to kill Thor, talked about killing Thor. Yeah, so they're gone. And now we know who the good guys are. They're these guys. Three good guys in Thor versus the entire rest of the the boat. Now, it'd be interesting. We'll find out. It'll be interesting to see how they uh, settle this later. Like, after they pass and everybody's like, okay, woo, never mind. Does Thor just go, no problem, Loki? It was cool that you tried to take over. <laughs> I hope not. I hope probably. not, but but probably, yeah. Does that wrap up this issue? That wraps up this episode. Whoa. Well, I guess I should talk about what y'all are going to read next time for homework. Yes. So we have ahead of us 
Tales to Astonish 74, with Namor when fails the quest, and the Hulk, the wisdom of the Watcher. The Watcher's still around? Okay. Yeah. Then we have the X-Men 14, (gasps) Among Us Stalk the Sentinels. What are those? What's a Sentinel? Wait, he's that guy from from Youngblood, right? Yeah. Sergeant Fury 24, when the Howlers hit the home front. Mm-hmm. And we're going to wrap up with Strange Tales 139, The Brave Die Hard with Nick Fury. And it doesn't say what the Doctor Strange story is on the cover. So It is Beware Domamu is Watching. Oh, all right. That's the title. So, yes, those are your homework for next time. Where can they find us, Mike? They can find us at makearsmarvel.com. You'll find links to our social media on Facebook and Twitter, as well as, of course, every episode on there. Uh, you can also just search any podcast app, Make Ours Marvel, and hopefully we show up. All our episodes are available, all for free. Um, you can write us a letter through the website in the contact form, or you could just write directly to podcast at makearsmarvel.com. We appreciate and sometimes list or sometimes read all feedback. Um, also while we're at it, cause I never remember to remind anybody of that, but if you want to leave us an iTunes review, we always appreciate that because that somehow mathematically makes our show cooler. We've got quite a so, few ratings, not a whole lot of reviews. Well, ratings are good too. So if you don't want to sit there and, you know, share your thoughts, at least throw some stars at us. That's mm-hmm. just one click. That's easy. Good. All appreciated. As many stars as you have. I hear it takes mm-hmm. seven to make a dragon ball, ba- a dragon appear. Oh boy. Yeah. That always goes well. Especially when you wish for underwear. Okay, so um, I can be found on Twitter at John Reads Comics. Mike is on Twitter at Kaiser the Great. My other two podcasts are uh, All the Pouches and Image Comics Podcast at All the Pouches on Twitter and Return to Cybertron, a Transformers UK podcast at TFUK Podcast on Twitter. And uh, there's my Scarlet Witch tweet blog that I need to get back to at let's talk Wanda. So he's going to, he's going to, the next tweet about let's talk Wanda is all about how she has the hots for captain America. Now mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some thoughts about that. Probably. All right. Well, anything else? That's it. Well, until next time. So remember how getting married is a euphemism. Mm-hmm. So until Betty Brandt finally, um, marries, Peter Parker. Make ours marvel.